Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our new 2022 Raising Expectations. This is our first program for the year, and we have a very special guest with us that we're going to introduce in just a moment for you. Um, As you know, we have a wonderful team of co-hosts. I'm Joe Schofield. It's a privilege and a pleasure to not only welcome you to our program, but also to share with you, as I always do, the most wonderful people, my friends who are co-hosts on this program each week. And I want to thank all of you over Christmas for the wonderful things that you said and did uh, and comments that we heard about our program. Uh, It was a real blessing. We hope you were blessed immensely as you remember uh, the birth of the Christ child and all the love that God showed us at Christmas and how he works with us in 2022. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me. And it's going to be exciting to watch it take place. So as you know, our program has a great team. First of all, all the way from Lompoc, California, (laughs) Dr. Paul Hall, who is a retired pastor. I still have a brain freeze on that. And and, uh, almost called you politician, Paul. But actually, yeah, no, no, no. He's a great... He's a great retired pastor, Bible teacher, a professor. He's he's loved by thousands of people, and we are privileged to have him with us. Paul has been my brother in Christ for over 50 years. In fact, we almost made the first run around Mount Sinai. It was that long ago. But in any event, he theologues all week long, and he's got all kinds of great things that God lays on his heart to share with us as we discuss the things that are taking place. Also, all the way from the East Coast in Dalton, Georgia, by way of uh, Sacramento, Placerville, California, originally there, we have Stephanie and Dr. Craig Thayer. And uh, Stephanie is a health and wellness coach. Stephanie's on the left, Craig's on the right, and we know you figured that out already for yourself. But Stephanie <laughs> is a great health and wellness coach. She uh, she knows how to teach you about who you are uh, and what's good to eat and how to take care of your body. But at the same time, She introduces you, as does her precious husband, into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that enables you to know who you are, to make all that other stuff worthwhile, and to give you a life that has purpose and meaning day after day. Stephanie, it's great to have you with us. And her husband uh, is a, a surgeon. He is also a health and wellness coach. He's an athlete. He, most of all, is uh as a trauma surgeon, as we often say, someone that we want to call when we need a doctor, because he deals not only with 
uh, great <coughs> intelligence and studying that he's done, but also with a heart that loves God and therefore loves people and cares about them. So Steph and Tank, it's great to, to see you again. I know you had a great holiday. Uh, and if any of you are looking for skiing lessons, Tank is the one you can call up. He will set you up on some good skiing lessons. We'll go into that some other time. But it also now shifting the lever back from the West Coast to the East Coast, as we so lovingly say, Central America, the great state of Texas. We have Pastor Ron Greer from McKinney, Texas. And uh, Ron is one of the greatest guys you'll ever know. Great brother in Christ, his churches, his people, his friends. Love him. He teaches the word of God day after day. He's a disciple of men, teaching them to understand what it means to follow after Christ Jesus and to make a difference in everybody's life and to be the godly men they need to be. So, Ron, we love you, brother. We're sure glad you're here. Yeah, you made it. Back from Atlanta. He was speaking there in Atlanta, I think, and drove through some pretty exciting weather. But maybe some of you are listening from Atlanta. So Very excited. You, yeah, you close your window, right, Ron? It may, may be raining out there, but in any event, I'm going to go from there. So this is a, a wonderful group of people. And again, this year, we hope that we get to know all of you in a special way. So many new friends this past year. So many people who are doing more. You know, a lot of people talk about donating money or doing this or the other. We're just glad you're with us. And uh, people are giving from their heart and helping our program to grow. And we just praise you, praise the Lord, and bless you uh, for doing that to help us. Now, our guest tonight, you remember, has been with us in the past. Uh, Rafael Cruz is a good friend of his, Senator Ted Cruz's dad. He knows people in the Republican Party. He's an incredible congressional candidate from the city of Dallas in the district there. He's a, 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 such a godly man. He represents us so often to the Kurdish nation. He loves the Kurdish people, uh, and they really love him. He now also is the editor of uh, Christian Magazine. I'm going to let him tell you all about that out of New York. Uh, is the headquarters, which goes around the world and uh, talks about what Christ Jesus is doing in the lives of people everywhere. So uh, Charles Lingerfeld, with all the things we could share and say about him, he's blessed my life for many, many years now. Perhaps the greatest thing we could say about he and his wife is they walk with the Lord. And Charles really loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, when you walk around people and you talk and get to know people who love Jesus, just like the people I introduced, you'll find God has done great things and blesses you just knowing. Charles is one of those. Charles, we want to welcome you to Raising Expectations, our first show this year, and uh, God bless you. Maybe open up with a few words about yourself, and uh, we want to welcome you. Let's give them a Raising Expectations, okay? Good to have All you right. with us. You, Charles. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having me, Joe. There he is. Uh, again with you. It's great to be with you. Uh, <laughs> to give you a little long uh, transitional about my life at 14 years of age, I turned my life over to Jesus Christ and accepted him as my personal savior as a young boy in East Tennessee near Knoxville and began to walk with him. And God placed a calling upon my life at age 15. I didn't know in complete terms what the calling was going to be, but I knew that he had spoken to me at age 15, about taking the gospel around the world and teaching nations about Jesus Christ. That's Amen. what I believe he spoke to me at age 15. And I, I, I didn't really see all that coming to pass until I linked with Christian Times 
magazine about four or five years ago, a Pakistani brother, Christian brother, invited me to start writing an article once a month for Christian Times Magazine, a magazine that he had uh, founded uh, about almost, well, 55 months ago. This this month, we, we introduce our 55th issue. Amen. And each month we we interview, I do an interview with questions uh, to someone. It could be a political person. Uh, we're hoping in March or April to do an interview with um, uh, Malia Trump, Donald Trump's wife. And uh, we think we're going to get that lined up. This month we feature uh, uh, a candidate for Texas governor on the front page and do an interview with him. We'll be announcing that over the next two days and it'll be public and made available in hard copy from Amazon. But my life has been filled with, uh, with exciting events from being healed uh, as a boy, five or six years of age at my grandmother's house down around Chattanooga in Whitwell, Tennessee when uh, somehow I had contracted or uh, somehow just got a hold of that uh, disease that uh, uh, causes a swelling on one side of your, uh, your, your belly. And I knew I was in much pain and out with my grandmother and grandfather on the farm, my brother and I, and she didn't know what to do except just call the doctor. And the doctor was about 20, 25 minutes away, and he knew her personally. He said, Lily, just put an ice pack on the boy's side, and I'll get there as soon as I can. Well, I still remember the old doctor walking in, a little short, heavy set doctor with a black uh, suit on and a bow tie, carrying his little black satchel, and he sat down beside the bed, and he began to talk to me. But at that point, I didn't have the pain in my side, and uh, God had touched me, and uh, he said to my grandma Robertson, he said, Lily, you saved that boy's life, and if you hadn't put the ice pack on that boy's side, his appendix would have ruptured, and uh, he would be in serious trouble right now, Mm -hmm. and she said to him, though she wasn't a believer at the time, She said, Doc, I want you to know I had nothing to do with saving that boy's life. That mother's prayers up there in the hospital near Knoxville is what saved that boy's life. So on through life, God has always walked with me, whether it be in pastoral ministry, evangelistic ministry, or just a writing ministry. And I don't belittle that by saying just. I do know that the pointed pen is designed by God and touched by God and and uh, can be effective around the world because Amen. I've met thousands and thousands of Kurdish people in Europe and Asia and in northern Iraq slipped across the border as I, uh, I, I call it slipped across. I sneaked across the border into Iran and met a couple of Kurds and had some coffee there in the mountain and left them some of my CDs, and then slipped back on into Iraq, and my driver 
took me back into Erbil. So it's been a lifetime of experience and reaching goals and doing what God wants me to do uh, as far as getting the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Amen. And I really mean that with all of my heart. It's been a God thing because, after all, it is the gospel of Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free, guys, to jump in and ask him any questions. Oh, uh, one of your books, I would love to know kind of where faith and patriotism cross. Well, that's an interesting question. I'm glad you asked that. Because from 14 years of age, it's been a lifetime of faith for me. But in 1972, uh, a doctor friend of mine in Buffalo, Texas, where we had established a youth ministry called Youtharama of Texas Incorporated, God laid it upon my heart to reach out to the local young people and establish a youth work. And uh, this doctor owned the three-story three building that we needed. Uh, we saw that we needed to have this building from whence to operate. And so I went to him and talked with him after in 71, when my dad had passed away in Tennessee, and we go home for the funeral and come back. And somehow along the way at a restaurant, though I did not know how, we, I contracted infectious hepatitis and became deathly sick. And in three days, uh, after some ladies laid their hands on me, eight or nine ladies, and they prayed for me, God instantly healed me and cured me of that infectious hepatitis. And I go back on Monday morning to the doctor's office. And he can't find it in, in the urinalysis. He can't find it in the blood specimen. The nails are cleared up. The white in my eyes or the yellow in my eyes had cleared up. Uh, and now it was white. And he couldn't find any traces. And Dr. Vanway pulled out his handkerchief and wiped tears from his eyes. And he said, Brother Lingerfeld, I don't know what's happened. This was a brilliant man because a uh, uh, the, the leader of the medical school at Texas A&M University told me later in life that Dr. Archie, a, Archie Banway was one of the most brilliant young men to have ever graduated from Texas A&M University Medical School. And because of what he saw happen through that miracle in my life and God healing me of that, I was able to go back to him in 72 and speak with him about this three-story hotel building in town that was a brick building built uh, in the late um, 1800s and still was intact. When it was wood, uh, it was an old uh, sta uh, station where people would come through on the train, and uh, the train would stop, and they'd get out and go spend the night in the old hotel, and the next morning catch a train and go on down toward Austin. Well, he said, I'll tell you what, you and Carolyn come by Monday and meet us there at the building and we'll go through it and show it to you. And then you you let me know if it, me, if it will meet the need. And uh, so we did that. And we thought it would meet the need of this youth center in town. 
and giving us a place to have pool in one room, table pool, uh, ping pong in another room, table games in the main room, and a prayer room by the fireside in another room. And once a month in the big room, we'd bring in speech, uh, speakers and special singers, and they would sing uh, songs from the Jesus movement at the time. And uh, young people would fill the house. And we started reaching young people as a part of a coffee house ministry and uh, uh, youth uh, ministry at that time. And that doctor was the one that introduced me to Senator John Tower, who at the time had uh, was re- running for re-election as a senator from Texas in the Congress and uh, at a banquet here in Dallas. And uh, John Tower spoke to me and he shook my hand and gripped it so firmly. I'll never forget the handshake. He said, I'd like for you to get involved in my campaign and uh, pass out tracts and literature and knock on doors and greet people and tell them about me and help me get reelected. So I I told him I'd never done that before. Uh, That was all politics. And uh, I was a strong patriot. I believed in in a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout. And I believed in America with all my heart, been raised that way. My grandfather was a World War I veteran. My dad was a World War II veteran. My brother was a Vietnam veteran. So I'm all about America. But if I can help you in any way, I'll help you. Started out in one county, ended up involved in seven counties, and we helped Senator John Tower get reelected by more than 300,000 votes. And that's where I believe God spoke to me and showed me that true patriotism can actually cross and join hands with faith and Christian people and godly people can be used uh, to uh, turn America around. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I know that's a little long story, but. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> that was you know, the unabridged version. Right. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Politician and preacher. It's got to be long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can't expect anything less than that. I, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, that's right. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, that perspective because that my, <laughs> my question would be uh, uh, hmm. Why should Christians not be fully involved? Well, let me give you thoughts on this. Uh, I'm just of the opinion that most of folk in office, no matter what level they are, should be predominantly Christians. Uh, So is that a little far off or what do you think? No, I agree with you. Uh, It was my mother, actually, who used to take uh, my older brother and me, Ken, and point her little crooked finger at us and say, now you're the salt of the earth. Get out there and make a difference with your life. Amen. That's That never left of me. Uh, I, I'm not really sure how it affected my brother, Ken, who's now passed away uh, in 2007. But I know it had an effect upon him because he was in the United States Army and retired with the Army uh, after he got back from Vietnam. Uh, He retired a few years later and was a staff sergeant. And he would call me up every so often and we'd talk about this. Mm. Uh, You're being the salt of the earth. And he would encourage me himself because 
I think he sort of felt like obligated to me being two years younger to be sure that we didn't forget the principles we had learned at home Hmm. and and the principles that our godly mother had taught us and father too, Hmm. uh, that you're the salt of the earth. So the responsibility we felt really rested upon our shoulders. Amen. And then Amen. I remember back in the 50s where I heard preachers to preach that uh, uh, Christians don't need to be involved in politics. Yeah. You ought to stay out of politics. Two things we don't talk about is religion and politics. And it always went against the grain for me. Yeah. It never did agree with me because I knew what my mother and father taught me in the home. And that was if you Christians don't get involved, then we someday are going to lose our country. Yeah, so that weighed heavily and still does upon my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that we as Christian believers, we must now more than ever get involved and grab a hold of our nation and snatch it from the arms and the hands of Satan and bring it back to where it ought to be with God. Amen. Amen. There you go, Ron. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, I'm like, I, I will not have the offering. Uh, I'll let you take up the offering. <laughs> Stephanie, do you have something there? I just think about it because I, um, I'm not a political person, you know. So as you say that, it makes sense to me. From a moral standpoint, that's how I live my life is what scripture says. But then it's it's a big, um, almost a leap, I think, for a typical lay person to think about being in politics. For me, that's a hard thing. And I, I think I'm unique. I mean, as soon as I had my driver's license, I was listening to conservative talk radio. So that's probably not that common. But I just couldn't <laughs> see myself in politics. So would you have other recommendations of, you know, how how to be involved or how to be a light for society if you really don't feel that you're called to a position like that? Good question. I am blessed to be the father of three wonderful sons and three beautiful daughters. And from those children today and their marriage I have become a grandfather of 14 grandchildren, and now we have nine great-grandchildren. And so in our home, my wife and I felt obligated to be sure that we taught our children the same principles that she and I were taught growing up. She was born in Waterbury, Connecticut, and raised in Florida, and we met in, uh, in college. Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, though I dated a few other girls, the first semester that I was there, I purposed within my heart that I was going to give it all to God. I wasn't going to date any. And uh, I think I might have said uh, in my prayers to God, Lord, I'm giving you the first year while I'm here and I won't be dating any girls. Uh, I remember those prayers in my dormitory by the bed. And uh, yet when I met her, uh, we became friends. And I, and after we went home for Easter holidays and came back, uh, the first time I came to Texas was in 1964 with a 
with a guy named David Owen from Big Spring, Texas. He wanted me to come to West Texas and visit with him and meet his parents and meet his brothers. So I said, sure, I'll ask my mom and dad if they mind if I go home with you for the Easter holidays. And they they said, if that's what you feel like you need to do, then you have our blessings. And uh, the first thing that we ought to teach our children to, to do, um, if if we don't feel that we need to guide them toward politics, we can at least guide them toward patriotism, mm-hmm. which is different. Mm-hmm. Being a good patriot, understanding the three branches of government that we have in the United <clears throat> States, understanding the Constitution that we have in America, mm-hmm. understanding that each state has its own Constitution whereby they live and are guided by. Mm-hmm. So we taught this in our children, kind of like David Barton stuff before David Barton came along. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually know David and I met him uh, after he became involved with the Texas Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And I told him about reading his books and seeing his videos and how he became a hero to me because what he was teaching and advocating went along with what my mother and dad was taught me. So in answer to your question, final summary, I would say this. We have to teach our children and now our grandchildren that it is patriotic to stand with hand over your heart uh, when the national anthem is played, when when the American flag is raised to a to the flagpole because it is out of honor for those who have stood for us, fought in World War One, fought in World War Two, fought in the Vietnam War, the Korean conflict, and on and on. It is patriotic to teach our children how to be patriotic so that they will send it on down to their children who are our grandchildren. And now I have grandchildren that are looking to me. I stay uh, I send them texts. I've got about nine of the grandchildren. Some are married, but nine. You'll be right back, guys. Don't All worry. Right. Me. <laughs> Little electricity problem. Encore. <laughs> uh, just. <laughs> I love technology when it works. <laughs> when it works. <laughs> I always say, Stephanie, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, right. just wait. We just wait for it. You know what's kind of interesting is Lee University is like 15 minutes from our house. Is that right? Yeah, it's oh. really close. And was that, named that after, uh, was that named after Robert E? Robert E. Lee? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole area is like Hamilton County and, oh, he's gone. I'll come back. Oh. Yeah. We lost him. Well, the other thing we have, he and I have in common, is I'm from Tennessee as well. <laughs> oh, I there saw you, you light up. Uh, yeah. uh, Jackson, Tennessee. I wrote folks in Nashville, Knoxville, uh, Chattanooga, all over the place there. Well, actually, it took a swing through there on my way to, on my way to Atlanta. Uh, went up oh, to see there mom, go. Uh, dropped in a surprise her, and then took care of a little business there and headed back down to Atlanta. But yeah, we've got quite a few things in common there. And also... Former congressional candidate myself. <laughs> I was headed there. I was going to say it for you, Ron. That's right. 
<laughs> uh, I, but I, I, I like yeah. I like this response because uh, it, it it is critical. I I keep trying to get even pastors and Christians who don't want to be involved in politics. I'm going okay if you're not involved in politics, politics being that area of, of life that in, in, uh, enacts and puts together legislation and bills and policy that affect your life. If you're not involved in that, then who's involved in it? Exactly. Uh, it, it, they're pagans. They're wicked. And okay, and their intent, intent, and the outcome will be wicked, or would be, would be pleasing to the Lord. Right? If, you want, if you want godly policies, you want godly uh, things impacting people's lives, then we have to be the people involved. In. I I think we should dominate every single area. Because okay, Charles, there you go. Calling you back. There he is. How are you? Hey, Charles, we hear you. Hey, go I ahead. think we lost connection. All right, you froze on you us. You were about to good. tell us. <laughs> You're about to tell us that you text, text. your nine grandchildren, right. and we wanted to hear what those texts include. Okay. Um, I invited, first of all, um, three of my grandsons and two of my granddaughters to join this text that I would send them as often as I felt led of the Spirit. Mm. And bear with me, I said to them, if you'll permit me to bring you on into a, a text message group, I would like to send you a text message every every so often. It won't be constantly during the day. It might not even be every day. But I will send you a text message frequently. They joined, and then I ended up with others joining. And one of my granddaughters that's in college now, her name is Emily, uh, she uh, is a sophomore at Dallas Baptist University. She's oh, okay. the one that gave uh, us the name of the squad. And uh, everybody, including me, liked that. And I said uh, to them, I said uh, the next day, I said, I like the squad. I like calling it the squad. But there's a squad that's known in Washington, D.C., that I don't care too much for. <laughs> and if you don't mind, I'd like to call this the Lingy Squad. Lingy was my nickname in high school when I played football. And the coach uh, uh, told me, he said, Mr. Lingerfelt, that's a long name. If you don't mind, I'd like to call you Lingy because I can get it out of my mouth quicker. So he just <laughs> called me Lingy, and we got along fine. And they liked it, and we still call, <laughs> we still call it the Lingy Squad, and we get along fine. I send them verses of scripture that come along to me. Uh, this past summer, before summer came, I felt like I needed to share with them some scripture about the Roman road. I knew they had never heard it. I even asked them, have you guys ever heard of the Roman road? And none of them said yes. So I said, I'm going to prepare. It'll be a little lengthy test, uh, a text that I send you, but it, it'll be uh, lined out well, and you'll understand what I'm trying to say because I want to give you some verses of Scripture from the book of Romans that if you come in contact with the person and you want to lead them to the Lord, you can go through this pattern from the book of Romans and you can lead them to the Lord using the scriptures from the book of Romans. 
So I got it all prepared and texted it to them uh, in several uh, compartments, so it wouldn't the text wouldn't actually be a book coming at them. And uh, from that, uh, I was able. I was writing a second book at the time, also uh, called Pinpoint. Uh, actually, the text that uh, I'd gotten involved with with the nine grandchildren taught me that uh, I needed to write a second book and call it Pinpoint because there were things that I wanted to portray to people out there who were reading my books uh, or who needed to hear from me. I could just break something down to them by a pinpoint, a point written by my pen, and uh, put it in a book form or a chapter form and uh, share with them. And so that's what I do is come across with some pinpoints or some verses of Scripture, or if they're having a difficult time as a teenager, which I had a couple of grandsons who were uh, in high school. One was a sophomore and one is a senior this year in high school. And they began to uh, uh, ask questions. Sometimes they would send the text to me and me alone and because they wanted to just talk with me and me answer it for them. And then uh, sometimes if it was okay to send it to the group, because we have granddaughters and grandsons too in the group, then they would open up in the group. And it gets a discussion started uh, between my grandchildren and me. And so they like it, and of course I like it, and it's been an opportunity for me to kind of uh, step down. I found out in business and in developing managers and sales managers when I was in insurance and investment business, if you step down a level or maybe underneath one of those levels, and start developing a manager underneath a manager, you can help that manager to uh, become more effective in his business by developing a manager underneath him. So I felt like this would be good for me to step down um, uh, another level below a son or a daughter and helping those, my children, to develop my grandchildren for them and it would, in a way, be answering some questions to the grandchildren uh, that uh, uh, maybe a grandfather was needed in answering some questions, uh, which the experience or the maturity the son or the daughter might not just have at that particular time. So it's worked out well for me. And so in conclusion to what you asked, I think that that's what we have to do because we we constantly have to be in a developmental stage with our children and our grandchildren because what we're doing is teaching them how to teach others. And when they get married, I think they're going to have better marriages because we've developed them into some stages of maturity. Amen. That's right. I I love this response that you gave. And uh, we have probably 30 family Bibles. Somehow I get them all. I love them. I have some in Norwegian. Like I have them with little scribbles inside of them. And one of the things that I did not know was how involved my grandparents were and even great grandparents in 
mission work in their church and those kinds of things. And I mean, obviously my parents raised me with a strong faith, so it did trickle down. But I think what you said is really profound. I wish I could go back now that I've looked at their Bibles and learned so much more about their faith walk. I wish I could sit and have conversations with them. And so I love that. If you're a grandparent and obviously there's a certain age when the grandchildren are going to be more prepared to have some of those conversations. But I think that's a really beautiful thing that you're creating. Amen. Well, Amen. It's been a blessing to me. You know, children and grandchildren are given to us by God himself. And they're given to us with a purpose in mind. And we don't always know what that purpose is, but God does uh, because he teaches us. And we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God to them. Not only to them who love God, but to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. And I realized uh, as a 15-year-old boy that I had a calling upon my life. Amen. And I was to respond to that calling. Amen. Hey, Dr. Paul up there. I think he is. He's writing something there. He's, he's, he's dialoguing there. I always take notes. You know, I, I want to respond. I think he's dialoguing. Thank you for being with us, Charles. It's uh, it's a joy to have you, you know, and, and to hear hear the depth of your heart and the experiences that you've had, obviously. Um while ago, I, I think while we lost you temporarily, Ron, Ron was talking about uh, the yes. bid that he made for uh, Congress, and um, and his position is that Christians should be involved in politics. Um, yeah, I, I believe in, in my heart, from my experience, um, that the world is working awfully hard to tell us to keep it to ourselves, mind our own business. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes yeah. with power of the government saying if you talk about this we'll take away your tax exemption etc etc so so i think there's a point to be made that christians often react to that in fear rather than respond in faith mm-hmm. uh, I, i'd like to just ask you a, a, a real practical question god has uniquely placed you to interface with people in uh, positions of government responsibility and things like that, as well as Ron. So Ron, you can jump in here too. <clears throat> just a quick question. If you were to put your finger on the pulse beat of the country right now, just, you know, pick up the pulse. Uh, what, what would you conclude about our country, the United States, uh, based upon what you've been experiencing, the people you've talked to? Uh, could you address that, uh, Charles? Yes, I can. Um traveled to Washington many times uh, to meet with, uh, I can name them, uh, Pete Sessions, Texas representative. Um, I never could get in to meet with Eddie Bernice Johnson, who is a Marxist Democrat and whom I ran against two times to defeat, but it didn't work out for me because the congressional district that was drawn off for her was drawn off for her. And so, therefore, she has won it uh, every Mm -hmm. two years for the past 30 years or so. And so now she's resigning and will probably turn it over to whoever she wants to turn turn it over to because 
some of those in Washington recognize that these seats, they think, belong to them. This is my seat, when actually the congressional district belongs to the people. The state belongs to the people, not to the two senators that we elect. We elect them, and they represent us. But I think years ago, in the late 1950s and early 60s, specifically the 50s, when we acquiesced some territory and some ground and the IRS became more powerful than what it was, and then once you acquiesce territory and ground to someone in authority that's not uh, using their authority position correctly under God, or you acquiesce territory or ground, you give it up to Satan and or his kingdom, you're not going to ever get that back without a fight. And you may not ever get it back, period. But I think that there is a, uh, I can touch the pulse of America today, and about 50 to 54% of the country is about ready for the fight in the name of Jesus. Amen. We don't need to go out with armor and guns and warfare. Like the psalmist said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And that's mm-hmm. where I am. I've recognized that, you know, by uh, since being a teenager. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not about the butcher knife. I'm not about uh, the pistol, although I know we have a right to defend our home and to defend our property and to defend our person. I know that we have that in the Second Amendment. And if you don't uh, protect the Second Amendment, you don't have the First Amendment or any other amendment. And Mm -hmm. so we've got to stand our ground and protect what's been given to us by our forefathers and our founders and our parents, our mothers and our fathers, our grandfathers. My grandfather, uh, as I said earlier, was a World War I veteran and went to Turkey and uh, traveled through the northern part of Iraq, which is today the present-day KRG, Kurdish Regional uh, Government, where the Kurds are. Um, now, their territory has been has been uh, stolen from them because the Kurdish region used to be, and Kurdistan used to be a country and a nation of itself that extended from southeast Turkey over into um, western Iran and a lot, a great portion, maybe half of Iraq or most of it, and even into Syria. That's how big the Kurdish uh, territory was. But because we didn't do what's right by them in World War I when when, uh, the Ottoman Empire was brought down, and my grandfather was a part of that in Turkey, I never really realized when I would go up to the truck stop as a teenager and sit there and talk with my grandfather, and we would wait on trucks, 18-wheeler trucks that would pull in there, and we, my brother and I would clean their windshields and their headlamps and fill their tanks with uh, 
fuel or diesel. Uh, I knew he loved me because uh, he said that uh, God was dealing with me as well. And uh, my dear grandmother, Mamma, we called her Mamma, and she was such a godly woman, my dad's mother, and she would always come around to me as a teenager and shake my hand and squeeze it with her little brown hand, and she'd look me in the eye, and she said, uh, now, if anybody is going to make heaven, let you and me make heaven, because <laughs> we've got to get there. Somehow, we've got to stand through to the test. I remember hearing it said, we've got to stand true to the test, and we've got to make it to heaven. Don't let anybody else pull you down. Don't let anyone drag you down. Don't let anyone knock you down. You stand in Christ. You stand in Jesus, and you'll always stand right. Simple message, but so powerful that got across to me. And so I think in those years back in the 50s, we... I can clearly see it now where we gave up territory to the federal government and we gave them too much ground and we gave them too much authority and power. And now we have people in the government that don't even recognize that it's our government. We, the people, established the government. And, uh, you know, frankly, we can take it away. Anytime Charles, I'm going to have to jump in. I'm going to have to jump okay. in, brother. I watched that old TikTok second go, man, that's interesting. All the way to the Ottoman Empire, exactly. I must have had a great grandfather. What a story and uh, what a fact and what a lesson. Um, uh, ladies, uh, guys and lady <laughs> together. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. we, uh, Charles, you're just a blessing. You're just a special guy and uh, such a godly man and, and you and your family. You bless us just hearing about you. So we're going to continue to pray for you. Yeah, we're going to have you back coming up here in March with uh, with the editor and founder. Yeah, Yeah, he's the CEO and founder of Christian Times Magazine, and he's Pakistani Christian, Anil Anwar. We'll have a great time. We'll have a good time on that. Maybe we'll get some uh, some work from him, some artwork or something. We'll have it put up on the screens and. Give people an opportunity to uh, get a hold of that magazine. So, Charles, God bless and keep you. 2022 is going to be a great year to watch God work. We don't know exactly what he's doing, but we know that he is doing, and that's what matters. He's doing. we're excited about that. Thanks for sharing about your children, about your grandkids. Uh, What an inspiration about the nation, about God's call on your life. And ladies and gentlemen, everybody listening in, hopefully we can emulate some of that in our lives and if Charles can't raise your expectations, uh, take an aspirin and they'll uh, call us in the morning because, you know, <laughs> how do I do, Tank? <laughs> that'll work. But we'll give you something that can pick you up a little bit and, and get you going. We're down to one minute to go. So uh, uh, next week we're going to have uh, the Thayers, uh, Stephanie and Dr. Craig, going to be sharing with us on talking about things you won't believe on getting you in shape, body Stolen spirit for the best 2022 you've ever had in light of the, the inspiring thoughts Charles has given us tonight. Yeah. So we're going to have a great week. Uh, we pray God blesses you. Ron, God bless you. And I'd have voted for you if you ran. I'd have probably become a Democrat so I could have voted 25 times. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding there. Love you, Pichu. Charles, God bless you. And, uh, 
Bless you, Everybody brother. in our audience, God bless and keep you and have a great week. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week on Raising Expectations, your show. We love the Lord. We love you. And God is working. See you all real soon. Thanks so much. Goodbye. God bless you guys. <laughs> Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous. But most of all, uplifting so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.